Praise God. Praise God. It's good to be here with all of you this morning. It's so wonderful to see all of your faces. Um, before I even pray, I just wanted to kind of give a background, read a scripture and give a background. First um, Peter chapter 5, verse 7, can we have it up? It says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watch, watchfully. See, a couple weeks ago when I was told that I'll be teaching this Sunday, I thought about what to share. I really couldn't come up with anything. All I knew was I didn't want to talk about what I had for March. March had already passed, right? This is a new season requiring a new word. So I asked God, God, what do you want me to teach? What do you want me to say to your people? And I remember at the beginning of this month, I was sleeping. And when I woke up, a phrase came into my heart. It says, rest starts with surrender. Rest starts with surrender. And in my heart, I, I heard, write it down. And I knew in my spirit that this is what I was going to teach. So through my conversations with the Lord, we have come up with a title that I know will bless all of you. And that title is, Rest Comes in Surrender. Not half surrender, but full and complete surrender to the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your presence. I thank you because you have planned such a wonderful word for each and every one of us. Lord, to set us free, to give us hope, to make clear the future that you have already planned for us. So Lord, I just pray that the words that I speak out of my mouth will be that which your spirit has given, and that it will be a word that will bless each and every one of us here, and those who are watching as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So you heard me talk about the background, and um, I wanted to add a little, another comment there. You know, you see this intimate relationship that we're talking about with God. It's not just for highly spiritual people or the pastors or, you know, the people you feel like, yeah, they are really holy. They can talk to God. This relationship is for each and every one of us if we have Christ. It's for all of us if we have Christ. Right? God desires to interact, communicate with us, tell us about things to come. But you also have to desire that relationship with him right? If you're not a Christian, you should get on board, right? This is a relationship you don't want to miss out on. It comes through faith solely in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's read that first Peter chapter 5 verse 7 AMPC. It says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares about you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. You see the word casting the whole, the, the word whole, it means all of, entire, not just some, the entire of your cares, the entirety of your burdens and all that is weighing you down, 
cast it on the Lord. Why should we cast it on him? Because he has affection and love towards us. And then you see that last line. It says, he cares about you watchfully. It doesn't say just anyhow. He doesn't care about you just anyhow. But it says watchfully. He is precise in the way that he cares about you. The, the first thing I'm going to talk about is surrender. R- r- uh, we remember the, the title, right? Rest comes in surrender. Surrender begins with trust. You can't surrender to someone you don't trust. In uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Rest begins when you listen to and trust the one who is calling you into his rest. It's difficult to surrender to someone you don't trust. We know it in our, in our, our daily lives. We know that that's true. You can't, you can't surrender to someone you don't trust because you don't know their motive, right? But God gives us this command. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Not a percentage of your heart, but all of it. All of your heart. To trust God, we have to know him on a personal level. Not just, you know, we come to church and we talk about, yeah, God is good, God is good. But when you go back, you don't have a tangible, like, understanding of this God that you're saying that is good. You have to know him on a personal level. If a stranger says they want to do something for you, don't you begin to wonder their motive? You start thinking, what, what is the motive behind what they want to do? You probably tread with caution. But oftentimes we treat God like a stranger. <laughs> we treat him like he's so far away, he's not even close by. The things that we say and the actions that we have towards God and people changes when we come closer to him. The things that we say, the way we carry ourselves, our actions, changes when we come closer to God. So this relationship is a personal relationship. It's not a far, you know, like God is not far away. He's actually very close to, he's in you, right inside of you. Here's an example of a people that did not know God. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 26, verse, um, chapter 1, 26 to 33, it says, but you are unwilling to go up. To set the background, this is after God told the Israelites to go and survey the land, Canaan, right? The promised land. And they went and came back. Only two people had a good report. They spoke according to what God said, but everybody else had a bad report. And so later on, in Deuteronomy, um, this was what was said. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to be annihilated. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying, The people are larger and taller than we are. The cities are large, with walls to the heavens. 
We even saw the descendants of Anakim there. I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you will fight for you. Just as you saw him do for you in Egypt and in the wilderness where the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. All the way by which you traveled until you reached this place. Pay attention to this, this next verse. But in spite of all of this, you did not trust the Lord your God. Who went before you on the journey in the fire by night and in the cloud by day to seek out a place for you to camp and to show you the road to travel. See, God, told, like, God did all these things for them. It says he went before them, he delivered them out of Egypt. He did so many mighty works in front of them. But the summary of everything is, they did not trust the Lord their God. They said, God hates us. Verse 32 makes it clear, right, what the issue was. They didn't trust. Through all their dealings with the Lord, they didn't know him. That's the summary. They didn't know him. They didn't have a personal relationship with him. They trusted in their own understanding. They listened to the reports that those other people, the bad report that those other people who went to survey the land gave instead of what God has spoken to them from the beginning. So Jeremiah chapter 7, 17, verse 5, this is what the Lord says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. See that? Cursed is anyone who puts their trust in mere humans. That's what they did. They put their trust in those people who had a bad report. And what was the, you know, the outcome of it is that they became cursed. They didn't trust the Lord their God. So let's see the results of not trusting. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19. It says, So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. They couldn't enter his rest. God had prepared this wonderful, wonderful thing for them. For the Israelites back then, it was the promised land. They couldn't enter because they didn't trust what God had spoken to them. Trust is established when you know you are loved. Remember what they said. It says, because the Lord hates us. They didn't know that God loved them. Love comes from that personal relationship. If you have that personal relationship with God, you know that you're loved. You know, God began to teach me about rest in January of 20, 2018. I remember it so clearly. Um, I was in a state of panic, you know. I was seeking for direction. I didn't know which way to go. I was so worried. And I kept praying. You know, like the, the type of praying where you're, you're praying, you're pleading, you're like, every day you're asking God, God, what is it? What is it that you have for me? What, what are you saying? But I heard nothing. I didn't hear anything. And <laughs> I said to God, God, is it that you are not seeing me here asking all these questions? 
How can I make a move if you don't tell me what to do? And I felt the you know, pressure that I needed to do something immediately, that I needed to take an action. But you know, sometimes the pressure that we feel is really all in our head. It's really all in our head. It's not <laughs> outward pressure. God taught me something about himself through those years. God is never in a haste to do anything. God is not worried. He's not moved by, oh, this is happening, that's happening. No, he's never in a haste to do anything. That's his nature. He's always calm. And so, in the middle of all of that, one day, what I heard in my heart was, rest. That was just one word, rest. I was like, ah, God, just rest. What does that mean? <laughs> like, I need direction. What is rest? And I didn't hear anything else. It was when I began to study about rest that God now started to give me direction. You see, during my study about rest, I learned this one truth. Rest starts with knowing you are loved. So whenever those thoughts and the worries will come you know, come into my mind and, you know, I feel that panic and everything. My response now became, for he knows the plans that he has for me. They are plans of good and not of evil. They are plans to give me a hope and a future. And then I will say, God loves me way too much for me to miss the way. You see, in that study of rest, we, I began to understand this relationship that I had with God. Before, I was just like, God, just tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Like, you know, I was just like, <laughs> it's like I was continuously knocking. God, tell me, tell me, tell me. And God is like, it's already in me. You're not resting to see it. You can't see it if you're not resting. Now, God's love for us is not the natural, flawed human love. Human love, we know, can be very selfish and limited. Right? It's, it's always putting expectation on the objects of our love. You know, when you are showing your love, you expect that person to do something. You know, to, to say that, oh, they appreciate what you're doing for them. If they don't do it, then maybe you withhold your love but God's love is not like that. God's love is beyond our actions and behavior. It's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on what we do. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. 
not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God's love is really amazing. Even when we were rebellious towards him, even when your heart was not, you know, like your heart was not thinking about God. You know, like how David said in Psalms, like, my heart pants for you. My soul thirsts for you. Uh, sometimes they're not like that. But it says, why we didn't even know him. God loved us. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but God sent his only son to die on our behalf. That's not human love. That's a love that is beyond our understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7. This is what now that love brings about. Out of his love, he's telling us this. He says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and everything by prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. And God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of soul, assured of its salvation through Christ. So fearing nothing from God and being content with this earthly lot or whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding. Another version will say, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. But let's look at that first part. It says, do not fret or have anxiety about anything. That's God's command to us. It says, about anything. Not like, okay, God, this is, this is the part that I'm going to, you know, worry about. You worry about the rest. God is saying, don't be anxious about anything. Anything includes everything. But sometimes we partition it in our mind and say like, okay, I'm responsible for this, so I need to worry. But what God is saying here is that he wants to take care of us. He doesn't want us to be worried. In 1 John chapter 4, um, verse 9 to 10, I wanted to make this clear about the love of God. It says, and we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of by observation and by experience, and believe, adhere, and put faith in and rely on the love of God. The love God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells in love. He who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in him. See, at that beginning part, it says, and we know, understand, recognize, are conscious of, God wants us to recognize, be conscious of his love. It should be something that we acknowledge on a daily basis. We should familiarize ourselves with it. You know, we say God loves us, God loves us, God loves us. We say it all the time. It's become a phrase. Yeah, God loves you, brother. 
God loves you, sister. Yeah, God loves us. But has it sunk deep inside of you that God really loves you? God loves you. And because of that love, God wants all of it. All your anxiety, all your worries, cast it on him. You know, worry is a killer. You know, it's, it's not the nature of God. Like I said, God is never in a haste. He's not worried. He's always calm. It's not the nature of God to be worried. The only one who can give worry is the one whose nature is worry, and that's the devil. If you are worried, that means you have been spending too much time in the camp of the devil. You shouldn't even be spending any time at all <laughs> in the camp of the devil. Here are some things Jesus has spoken to us in his word. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened. And I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart. And you will find rest, relief, and ease, and refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, good, not harsh. Hard, sharp, oppressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be born. He's saying, if you're carrying burdens, come to me. If you're laboring, come to me. That's not the state I want you. I want to give you rest, my rest. This is NLT version. It says, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. In Luke chapter 12, verse 22 to 32, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, and he goes on down. And then I'm going to read from verse 27. It says, look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yes, Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. See, it says, these things about how are we going to survive, how are we going to pay rent, how are we going to do this? Those are the things that unbelievers worry about. Those are the things that concern people who don't know their God. But God is like, God knows your needs. He knows that you need these things. He will provide. He will provide for them. So it goes back to, do you know you're loved? How many of us are carrying burdens every day, right? Family, career, spiritual life, who to marry, 
Are we on equal playing field with our peers? Every day is full of things we could easily, that could easily become a burden. Many times we pick up burdens that are not ours to carry. Jesus already told us the burden to carry. He says, my yoke is easy, it's gracious, it's everything that you need. You can be comfortable. But drop these other ones. Whenever we tell God, oh, this, this is what I'm worried about. You know, like sometimes, <laughs> I know we do this where somebody's like, oh, but you don't have to worry about this thing. You're like, oh, you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand what is on my plate. You don't know what is, I'm carrying on my head. You know, I have this. My people are calling me from Nigeria. They're telling me I need to send money. The rent is coming here. You're, you're carrying all of these things. But when we tell God, this is mine, God will just step back. Right? It says he can't share his glory with anybody. He can't. God can't do anything unless you authorize him to. And how do we authorize him to do it? Is when we agree with his word. When we agree with God's word, we authorize him to work on our behalf. But when we're in opposition to him, doing what we want to do, carrying, he can't do anything. Another little secret that I've learned over the years God doesn't do what if. You know, we do what if this happens, what if that happens, scenario A, scenario B, what if that, what if that. God doesn't do what ifs. He already has the solution. He already knows what the solution is. And that solution is Jesus. Right? And there's no confusion in him. So if you're feeling confusion, that's not God. Again, I I encountered a a situation um, this year where my mind was also consumed with worry. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit asked me, why are you concerned for too many things? Why are you concerned for too many things? Worrying was me trying to figure everything out. Trying to make sure this thing works and that works. But I was carrying the burden for myself and everyone else around me. Worrying can be very draining. It brings fear. So when the Spirit of the Lord said that to me, I recognized that the enemy was using the things I was concerned for to take me off the seat of rest that God had given me. I started realizing God takes care of my needs. Why am I concerned for all of these things? I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating well. You know, people will look at me and be like, are you okay? (laughs) See, like, those are the things that worry. It drains you. It brings fear. 
And God was saying to me, you're concerned for too many things. I didn't tell you to be concerned for those things. This is the enemy actively trying to take you off the seat of rest that I have given you. And so when I realized that, that God supplies all my needs, he gives me everything I need, I just have to be just relaxing. Something I always tell myself is like, just sit back and rest. Just watch God do what he does. Just sit back and rest and watch God do what he does. You don't even have to lift the finger. And God will accomplish it. Those things that you're thinking, oh, how am I going to? God will accomplish it when you put your faith in him. So, whenever like, the enemy will bring those scenarios, scenario A, scenario B, this will happen, that, that will happen. I said to him, no, I refuse to worry. I refuse it. Jesus told me not to be concerned for anything. Go take it up with him. It's none of my business anymore. It's not my business anymore. I already cast it on him. So, now I'm enjoying my rest. I realized the more that I said those things, the more that when those thoughts will come, I'll just be like, I start laughing. <laughs> these things are not important anymore. Why? Because my focus has shifted from where it was. You know when you worry, you can't see beyond that worry. You can't see beyond what you're thinking about. Your attention is on it. You can't see beyond it. But when my focus shifted to what God was saying, to the fact that he has supplied all my needs, that's fixing your eyes on Jesus. You're taking it off of what the enemy is showing you and fixing it on Jesus. And so I started to rest. And I became joyful in my spirit. And look at what the scriptures say. Because this causes, when you fix your eyes on Jesus, it causes you to actually start laughing. When they tell you this news and tell you that news. This is what the the scripture says in Psalm 34 verse 5. They looked to him and were radiant. Their faces shall never blush for shame or be confused. In NIV says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. See, those who look to him, not look to your problems. Those who look to him, they are always radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame because they trust him. Because once you put your trust in him, you can never be put to shame. It's impossible. God always accomplishes his word. He's faithful. He said even when we're faithless, he remains faithful to do what he has said. You know, the difficult things that we go through in life, although God did not cause them, he always teaches us something in the midst. I remember a couple, year, a couple of years ago, you know, I was seeking for direction again, and um, I was just like, I was so weak in faith. I, I didn't even know how to stand. So I said to God, Lord, if you don't hold me up, <laughs> I can't hold myself. I'll just fall. So I, I need your help. <laughs> I need your help. I was in my car. I was coming back from school. And when I parked, what God said to me was, fix your eyes on Jesus. 
I opened that scripture. And the scripture says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He's the beginner of your faith. He's the one who completes it. It's not, it's not dependent on you. I was doing the wrong thing. I was fixing my eyes on what, where, how, why, all these questions. God did not ask us to ask all these questions. The thing is like, what did God say? What is God saying? That's what is most important. You know, when you surrender everything to God, your praise can be kept back. Nothing will be holding back your praise. In the midst of worry, you can't even praise God. You don't see anything good to thank God for. Because you're concerned. Remember I said, when you're worrying, you can't see past that worry. But God wants us to live a life of praise. To give him thanks. Remember at the end of it, it says, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And then scripture tells us rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Surrender puts us in a place of praise because you're resting. And all you can see is the goodness of God in the midst of all of it. When you are overly burdened, there's no way you can praise. And the Bible says a merry, merry heart is like a medicine. A broken spirit dries the bones. You look old when you worry. <laughs> How does that shine the light of Christ to the world? It doesn't. People are like, oh, you're just like the rest of us. You know, somebody will say, oh, my own is to worry. My own is to do this. My own. You claim things that God has not given to you. I remember pastor was telling us a long time ago that we should drop our calculators. We have been, you know, everything we are trying to calculate. How is this going to work? How is that going to work? And he said, drop your calculators. That's not how God works. Drop it and rest. And just be watching God. As far as you're holding on to his word, he will do that which he said he would do. Like I said, he's faithful. The answers we are looking comes when we surrender. When we surrender everything to him, casting all of our cares to him. And then when we consider God as our only option. You can't say, oh yeah, I've cast everything to God. And then you have another option on this side. Okay, just in case this one doesn't work. Let me just have option B. No, God has to be the only option. God doesn't share his glory. So if you're not making him the only option, you're not in rest. You're still worrying. Rest is the intended state of a Christian. Remember the Israelites we read about earlier? Due to their unbelief, here's what God said about them. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 9 to 11. 
It says, There your ancestors, right, in the wilderness, tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. So I was angry with them, and I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Because of their unbelief, they couldn't enter God's rest. God said, if you're working in unbelief, you can't enter my rest. Because it is impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. So, God is calling us to be faith people. Your faith activates the power of God in your life. And faith also leads us into God's rest. When you surrender all your loads, that means you trust God. The trust comes from faith in God and his word. What did he say? He who comes to him must first believe that he exists and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So now, I said rest is the intended state that God wants us to be in. So let's read a scripture that talks about this. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 to 10. It says, So there, there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30, then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. See, there still is a special rest for the people of God. Who are the people of God? Isn't it us? Those who have believed in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We are the people of God. So this rest belongs to us. The rest God is calling us to is a state of being. It belongs to us. We should enter it. Rest shows you have faith. You believe what God has spoken. What God has spoken is what keeps you in the middle of trials. Is what upholds you in the middle of the things that you're going through. Because you're resting doesn't mean that you're not going through things. Things can be happening around you. Things might be falling down. But you're just at, at peace. Relaxing. And people are wondering what's going on. <laughs> Why is this one not worried? What you focus on will determine whether you rest or you carry. Right? What you focus on actually strengthens or weakens your faith. You think, you think when God says something to you, the devil will just be like, okay, let everything God said now happen for them. No, he's your enemy. What he wants to do is to steal, kill, and destroy. So he will always fight you. When God has spoken something to you, he will always fight to take that word away from you. But our job is to hold firm to our confession of faith. Don't move from it. Don't shake. And that word God has given you will strengthen you in the midst of the trials. 
So I was talking to one of my friends, um, and I asked my friend a question. I said, do you think that in the middle of a battle, your enemy will just be watching you skip around, la, la, you know, like you're just jumping around like it's la, la world. You think that that's what your enemy will be doing? No. (laughs) Your enemy is not like that. He's there to oppose you. He's not going to wait for you to not be like settled and comfortable. Okay, now I'm ready to fight. So enemy, come. No. He's there to oppose you and the word God has given you. So we have to get into our heads that this is a battle that we're fighting. It's not just everything will just appear just like that. Because you do have an enemy of your soul. The goal of the enemy is to steal the word God had given you. And when you go off into worrying, contemplating, calculating, he has gotten you into the sense realm. And when you're in the sense realm, you can't win the battle. But when you switch back to the spiritual, what did God say? What did God say? That changes everything. It changes the game. Because God always tells you what will happen at the end before you even get there. The scripture says, in quietness and in confidence, there lies your strength. That's Isaiah 30 verse 15. In quietness and in confidence. Where is the confidence coming from? It's the word that God had given you. When you are at rest, you don't need to make too much noise. God paves the way for you. People marvel at what is happening in your life. Because you have given God room to just be, you know, the, we sing the Agedeba God. <laughs> you have given him room to be a big God. Because you're trusting him. The work that God had told us to do is to believe. Believe in God and what he has said. And God will do the work of manifesting what he has said. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Right? It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it day and night. It shall not depart out of your mouth. That's what God is calling us to do. The meditation of the word is what gets it deep inside of you. And you need to confess it with your mouth because there's power of life and death in the tongue. So you need to speak that which God has said to you. Because when it's spoken, the word of God actually goes into creating what you have said. It begins to create. And it's the authority wherever it has been spoken. Jesus is our example of rest. Let's look at um, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 40. This is a story that we're all familiar with. 
um, Jesus comes the storm. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they, they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But, at, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. <laughs> what was Jesus doing? Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? How can you be sleeping? Do you not see what's going on around? The storm is over here raging. Do you not see it? How can you just be sleeping? Do you not care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Look at the question that the disciples asked him. This is King James Version. Carest thou not that we perish? Carest thou not that we perish? If, if Jesus was acting like the disciples, he wouldn't have been of any help to them. Because they were worried. They were just shouting. What were they doing? Did their worry add anything to the situation? No. It didn't bring a solution. You know, when you're resting like Jesus, sleeping like Jesus, people won't understand you. They won't understand why you're not responding like them. They'll think you're crazy sometimes or you don't have any feelings. Because like, don't you see all this trouble that you have? This is happening to your family. Oh, this person is sick over here. That one. Why are you resting? They won't understand it. They'll think that you don't have any feelings. But you know, what God authorizes for us to do sounds foolish to the human mind. But it's actually what brings solution. A person who is at rest knows what God has said and keeps their focus diligently on the word. Continually on the word, not shifting. The storm shifted their eyes from what Jesus said to them at the beginning. Jesus said to them at the beginning, we're going over to the other side. They, for them to even get into that boat and follow him, they knew that they were going over to the other side. They believed it, Right? They believe to even have gotten into the boat. We start off believing. But in the middle, things come. And our focus is shifted from what Jesus has said to us. In the middle of the storm, their believing changed. And it, it became about what they were seeing. God is asking us to stop looking. Stop looking at the wind. Stop looking at the wave. Stop looking at what is happening around you. Those things don't actually matter. All that matters is, what did God say? That's what's going to happen. So, I'm going to read this last scripture, and we're going to end. Um, choir is going to help us with a song. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. It says, the seed that fell among thorns 
stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasure, and they do not mature. The seed is the word of God. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. It's not that you didn't hear from the beginning. You heard the word. But as they go on their way, as you, you know, like here, we're like, yeah, we all believe because we're in church. Everybody believes in church. But nobody sees what you do in your own house. That's where real believing actually happens. They were choked by life's worry. The word was choked out by the worries of life and the cares of life. So they don't mature. So my sister and my brother, seize from your labor. Put your loads down. Enter into God's rest. That's what he's calling us to do.